Good morning, everybody. Let's go ahead and open up our Bibles to the book of Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. I'm going to start off, as you turn over there, tell you a little story probably many of you have heard before. But it's a story about two frogs that lived in a pond in a nearby village. One day the frogs decided they would go over to, the, to a house and they went inside the house and they accidentally, looking for food, they fell into this bucket of milk. Well, they tried to swim and they tried to jump, but they couldn't get out. It was just too steep, it was too slick on the sides, so they weren't able to get out. So one of the frogs decided, you know what, We're never gonna, this is impossible. So he decided just to give up, and he quit swimming, he sunk to the bottom, and he drowned. But the second frog, he just kept swimming around. He was determined he was going to swim as long as he, it took. And he swam until he turned that butter, or that milk, into butter. <laughs> and on top of that butter, he was able to jump out of that bucket. Now, some of you have heard that before. And one of the great morals of that story is that if you work hard enough, you'll get where you're going. And sometimes I think that's the way we approach Christianity. That if we work hard enough, we do enough good works, we do enough of ourselves, then God's going to accept us. But we noticed last week that that simply is just not the case, is it? Because what Paul told us last week is that we are justified by faith, not by works of the law. So it can't be by our, our own works and we talked about justification last week, and we said we're going to come back this week because we said we're justified. It's not of ourselves, but we said, but it's by faith. And we talk about faith. That's a really big word when we come into the book of Romans. It's our word for the day. It's, it's a word that we see throughout the New Testament. And it's a word that simply means to belief or trust, confidence, assurance. It's very similar, actually in the same family, is another word or a couple of words that we find in the book of Romans. And it's the word believes or believed. And it means to believe something to be true. Hence, it is worthy of being trusted. In Romans chapter 4, Paul is continuing what he started last week as he talked about the justification that we have by faith. And he says, let's look at the example of Abraham. So chapter 4 begins this new thought, and so let's start reading. He says, what then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now just put that on the back of your head. In fact, you're going to be pulling it up quite a bit today. He says, now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as, he, as is due. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. 
There's a lot of great stuff here. And the very first thing we've got to do is we've got to get a crash course on Abraham. God comes to him in Genesis chapter 12, and just out of nowhere, and he says to Abraham, he says, listen, I want to take you and I want to make you into a great nation. I want you to be my nation. I want to bless you. I want to give you a great name. In fact, because of that, I, through you, through your descendants, I am going to bless all the families of the earth. I'm going to bless all the nations. And the Hebrew writer tells us something interesting. It says, by faith, Abraham obeyed. He went. And what's even more incredible is that he goes not knowing where he's going. I don't know many of us are willing to do that. <laughs> but Abraham did. Now, a few years pass, and they still don't have a baby. He's supposed to be, have all these descendants. God's promised him he's going to be, turn him into a great nation. But it's like, we don't have a baby. And so God comes to him in Genesis chapter 15, and he, he says to him, he says, listen, he comes to him in a vision. He says, look, I'm going to take you out. I want you to see all the stars in the night sky. And he says, you see all these stars, and he would have seen more than us because we live in cities. And he says, I'm going to make you, I'm going to, you're going to have as many descendants as you see in the stars in the sky. And then it says this, and this is what Paul quotes. It says that he believed the Lord. And he counted him to righteousness. Abraham did not work for his righteousness. He let God work. Okay, you got to get that, folks. If you don't get anything else, you better get that. He didn't work for his righteousness. He let God work. Right after this, in Genesis 15, God makes his covenant with him. It's pretty radical if you read there in chapter 15. But he's not making a covenant with him so that he may be righteous. He's already righteous by faith. It's because of faith that he is, make, he is going to make a covenant with Abraham. And so what we learn here is that from God's perspective, Abraham had absolutely nothing to boast about. There's nothing he could say that I have done that is worthy of being counted made or being made right in the eyes of a holy God. Because where boasting is present, listen, where boasting is present, faith is absent. When we start talking about and thinking that we're so good, we are lacking in the faith that we trust in God, that he's the one. Now let's look at a closer Take a closer look at Genesis 15, 6. It uses the word counted. Do you notice that? It's an accounting word. It's another great word that we find in Romans. And it means to keep a record, to calculate, bookkeeping. And as he's applying it here to Abraham, it means to account to him a righteousness that does not inherently belong to him. Okay? It does not inherently belong to him. When Abraham believed God... God granted him the status of righteousness. He is now 
looked at as being right in God's eyes. And this word counted is such a big word that here in chapter 4, there's 25 verses, he uses that word 11 times. Now, let's go back to the text. Let's go back to the text. Now, right after this, in verses 6 through 8, he, he quotes David from the Psalms, and, he sa- and he's talking about how blessed it is for God to forgive, for, for someone, for the Lord not to count someone's sin. There's that word again. So then he comes in verse, uh, verse 9, and he says, Is this blessing then only for the circumcised? Now, understand this. Some of you already know this. When he talks about the circumcised, he's speaking of the Jews. So he says, or also is this blessing for the uncircumcised. So if it's for the Jews, then the uncircumcised is for those who are not Jews. For we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it counted to him? Was it before or after he had been circumcised? Was it not after, but before, uh, uh, before he was circumcised? He received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believed without being circumcised so that righteousness would be counted to him them as well. And to make him the father of the circumcised who are not merely circumcised, but also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. Now, we got to go back to the story of Abraham. All right, so, so Abraham, he's, he's ready. He's got this faith. When we come, he, he's counted him as righteousness, okay? Here we are on the timeline. This is where God calls him 75 years old, and now he's been counted as righteousness, So we go over into chapter 17, and in chapter 17, this is where God comes to him again. He reiterates this covenant that he has made with him. He gives him a new name. His name is Abraham now. It was Abram. It's Abraham. It means father of many, but remember, he still doesn't have any kids. But he's going to be the father of many, and then he institutes this this, um, ritual of circumcision. Now, this is an important thing that was happening here. But Paul is trying to show us something by the timeline. In fact, I'm going to show you how, how easy this is for us to understand exactly what it's talking about. So Troy, we're going to show you here. Troy, looking at that timeline, you see he's counted righteousness in Genesis 15. The covenant of circumcision comes in Genesis 17. Was he counted righteousness before circumcision or after circumcision? Come on, Troy, you got this. Before. Before. Folks, if Troy can do this, we can all do this, right? No, just kidding, Troy, just kidding. No, look, it, it, it's, he says, listen, and he says, listen, the reason he's doing this is so that Abraham can be the father of many. Or as he says, yeah, in in Genesis 17, verse 4, he can be the father not just of the circumcised, but also of the uncircumcised. What he is given in this circumcision is not that he is now 
made right before God. It is a seal of something that already has existed, something that is already there. But he says all of us now, whether the, the circumcised and the uncircumcised, we come together into this one family based on our faith. It's not based on circumcision. It's not based on ritual. It's based on faith. So this is, this is very important stuff. And it shows us the power of faith. Now, if you don't think circumcision was important, you don't, you don't really understand your Bible. You don't know how really it is. And if you don't know what it is, I'm going to tell you what my Bible class teacher said when I was in middle school. And he said, go home and ask your mama. I'm not, still not sure why he told me to ask my mama. But still... This was a very big deal, but the ritual simply put a seal on what already existed. Now, we've talked about faith. Okay, we got to have faith. I get it. But faith in what? Faith in what? I mean, apparently it's not the same as Abraham, right? You know, the Lord is, is, is not asking, um, he's not going, you know, to ask Ron here, Ron, you, what I want you to do, he's going to come to you in the night, and, and he wants you to pack up everything you got in your house, get your wife, and just head out in the car. You don't know where you're going yet, but more than likely, <laughs> but more than likely, that's not going to happen. And thankfully, he's not going to ask Bob and Sandy when they turn 90 and 99, which is what, a couple of years Bob, for you to be, anyway, but he's not going to come there and say, listen, y'all are going to have children. And he's thinking, and Sandy's thinking the same thing I'm thinking, because I just got my fourth kid out of the house. Good. I don't want kids coming into my house at 99 years old, right? So it's like, well, then what is this? What am I to have faith in? And here's what our faith is based on. Our faith is is based on the work of God in Christ. And the first part of that is the death of Christ. you got to believe that what, he, what happened there was absolutely a sacrifice for you. You've got to believe that he did what you could not do for yourself. It is the atoning. Remember that word atoning, the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ. He says in chapter 5 that we are justified by his blood. It is that propitiation we talked about last week where God's wrath has finally been, it, it's finally been satisfied. And he has taken his righteousness, Jesus, his perfect life. And remember this? Remember this last week with the signs and everything? He's given us his righteousness. He's taken our sin, and, and he took that punishment for it. And we got to believe that. we got to believe that's what Jesus has done for us. But, but we talked about that last week, so I want to get into this next one. And that is the resurrection of Christ. All right, let's go to, let's go to Romans 4. Anybody reading out of the English Standard Version this morning? Joe is. Okay. Joe, stand up for a second. Give me, give me, your, give me your microphone. This is the tenor. I'm going to tell you. I'm not a tenor. <laughs> we're just letting you read, Joe, not sing. <clears throat> 
So you're going you're gonna to love this. So when I, when I ask you, I want you to just read these, these certain parts, okay? So I'm going to get started here. Verse 17, as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to who? The dead. And calls into existence the things that do not exist in hope he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations. As he has been told, so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was, a, which was as good as dead since it was about a hundred years old or when he considered the barrenness the barrenness of sarah's womb do you have a, a marginal reading there no yes you do deadness <laughs> do you have your glasses on yeah uh, deadness you don't have a mar- you need a better translation um <laughs> So he goes on, verse 20, No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness, but the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for, the, for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him, who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification all right you see in this the dead the dead deadness he's making a correlation between the birth of Isaac and the resurrection of Jesus do you see this how old is is Sarah when she's gonna have a child she's gonna be 90 Abraham's gonna be a hundred by the time he gets there and we learn that her, her, her womb is dead. Not only have they not had any children, but they're now to an age as well beyond that, that childbearing age. You see all this connection of the dead, the dead, the deadness. He's telling us something here. So he, he, God comes to him, right? God comes to him. Um, in, in, uh, in chapter 17, actually, and that's when he tells him you're going to have a child. He's 99. He's going to be 100 years old. Well, oh, snap. Uh, he's going to be 100 years old when that occurs. And it's like, this is what he's saying. We believe in the same God as Abraham that God can take something that is dead. Jesus had been in the grave three days he is dead, dead, right? Isaac, or, or Sarah, she, her, she's 90 years old. He's 99 years old. There is no doubt of the deadness of the womb. And yet, in both of these, God brings forth life. And he's to believe, he's to believe God's going to bring that life. We are to believe that Jesus was brought back to life after his death. It's exactly what, what Jerry talked about this morning in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And, and get this, get this. It's also tied to our resurrection from the dead. We don't have time to really dig, dig into this. Look at chapter 8. Oh, I wish I had time. 8 verse 16, the Spirit himself bears witness that our spirit, that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may be glorified 
with him. He then goes into this future glory when, when creation is finally going to be restored. And he comes in verse 23 and he says, and not only the creation. He says, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly. We wait eagerly for the adoption of His Son, the redemption of our bodies. He goes on in verse 30, and he talks about those who are justified, the justified will be glorified. A lot of fied stuff here there, right? But, but he's saying, listen, your faith, our faith is from the resurrection of Jesus to the resurrection of our own bodies. And we live by this faith that we believe God is not going to leave us in the grave. I don't have to worry about what this world is going to do to me. I don't have to fear if someone comes up to me and puts a gun to my head and says, I'm going to kill you. I may not be happy about it, but the fact of the matter is, I know Jesus isn't leaving me in the grave. I know this life is not the best there is. Amen? Oh, thank God for that. That's my faith. But before we end, we've got to talk about this. Trust in the object of your faith, not in the quality of your faith. You know, we talk about faith. And some of you are like, okay, it's not based on my works, but my faith isn't so good either. Sometimes I, I know I should be trusting God, and I'm not trusting Him like I should. Anybody ever felt like that? I felt like that. And we begin to wonder, will I be able? Will, will God credit to me righteousness based on my faith? Abraham is the example throughout Scripture. This guy is a guy of faith, but I'm going to let you in on a secret. You ready? Sometimes his faith was not very impressive. Let's go back to our timeline. Yeah, God calls him, right? In Genesis chapter 12, 75 years old. He goes. We're like, man, we are amazed by that. But then, as he goes on, the very, next, the very next episode in Genesis 12, there's a famine in the land. He, he takes his family and, and his wife and everything, and they, and they go over to Egypt, or down, or across, to Egypt. And, and, and this is what happens. He says, listen, evidently, he had this unbelievably beautiful wife. I'm talking about, if she lived in this day and time, she'd be winning, like, Miss America, She's that gorgeous. So Abraham says, and I'm paraphrasing here. Okay, Sarah, hear me out. When we get over there, these Egyptians are going to want to marry you. And, and they'll kill me so that they can marry you. So I got this idea. Just hear me out, Sarah. We're going to tell them that you're my sister. And that way, if they want you, they can have you. But at least I'm still alive. Is that going to work for you? You go to another country. Mike says, listen, Susan, you are gorgeous. And um, they want you. I'm just going to let them have you. Uh, that's not going to fly, is it, Mike? That's not going to fly, is it, Ty? Your wife's not, oh, Amanda's not going to let you do that. Ain't no way. And, but why didn't he say, 
you know what? I've got faith that God's going to protect me. If he says he's going to let me have a child, he's going to make a nation out of me. I just got to trust that God's going to. He, he lacked that faith. And, and then we get up here. God makes it, he's just credited as righteousness, right? It's like, this is so exciting. There's this great covenant that God makes. I mean, it is just so fantastic. You ought to read it later on in chapter 12. The very next thing that happens, based on the episodes that happen, Sarah comes to to Abraham and says, listen, you know, it's been 11 years. We still don't have any children. God says he's going to promise all this stuff. So I tell you what, um, why don't we speed the process up? So Abraham, it may not ever happen with me. Why don't you take my my servant, Hagar, and you go and have a baby with her, kind of like a proxy kind of thing. Did Abraham go, Sarah, we need to have faith? Uh, No, he just took her. Had a baby. How'd that work out? Not so well. By the way, that last thing I just told you about in Egypt, even after all of that, and and the Lord intervenes because of what happened there, he still does it again a second time in chapter 20. So then God comes to him, and and finally, it's now, that was 11 years. Now it's been 13 years, and finally the Lord shows up. And he comes to Abraham, and he says, listen, it's finally going to happen. Your wife is going to have a baby. And instead of him saying, God, I believe it. This is what I've been waiting on. You know what he does? Anybody know? He falls on the, he falls on the floor and he laughs. A, a year later, or well, actually later, don't know exactly how much later, he comes back and the Lord says, listen, I got an update on this baby thing. She is going to bear you a son a year from now. Sarah is hiding behind a door, and she hears everything. Anybody know what she does? She laughs. Where's all their faith? And by the way, a year later, they have a son. His name is Isaac, and his name means to laugh. <laughs> it's like the joke's on you. And yet, what does, what does Paul say? Paul says, listen, this is the kind of faith you need to have. It's like, what is up? But I think we have to put ourselves a little bit into Paul's place. I mean, into Abraham's situation and his world. There, were, there was no Bible. There was no Ten Commandments. There was no Mount Sinai moment that had happened. There was no stories about King David. There was no Psalms. There was... There was nothing. He wasn't raised in a home where he heard the stories about Yahweh because he was raised in a pagan home. But when God calls him, he goes. And he doesn't look back. Now, he doesn't have perfect faith, but guess this. He didn't ask him to have perfect faith. And I think that's exactly why Jesus tells us, listen, you just need to have the faith of a mustard seed. And, and this is where you need to understand some of these words. That was the smallest possible seed there was. He said, you just need to have just the smallest amount of faith. Remember the story, uh, God comes, it's, it's 
few hundred years later, finally his descendants, they have grown, and, and they are in Egypt, and they have been enslaved, and God saves them. He brings them out. They're out in the wilderness, and Pharaoh, who let them go, he now says, well, that might not have been a good idea. And so they start tracking them. And you remember the story, right? You don't have to go to church your whole life to know the story about how he took the Red Sea and he parted it. And the people walked on dry ground. Don't you think there were different levels of faith? I imagine there's some people going, wow, this is amazing. Look at this. Look at the walls of water. What a great God. There might have been some. I could see them. Pharaoh in your face. We've been waiting for this. But I also think that there were those who were going through that Red Sea like this. We're going to die. We're going to die. We're going to die. I know we're going to die. We're going to die. Now here's my question. Which one of those were saved? All of them. You see, we're not asked to have perfect faith. We're just to believe in a powerful God. He's not asking for our faith to be great, but our God is great. See that? See that? And, and it's not what we do. We, we, just, we just try to follow him the best we can. And sometimes, you know, we may be saying, oh, I think we're going to die. I think we're going to die. But I'm doing it, Lord. I'm walking. I'm going like you're asking me to do. Okay, guess what? Our faith grows. Our faith grows. And I think this is why he says there in Romans 4, verse 17, he's referring back to Abraham, he says, I have made you the father of many nations. In the presence of God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. He believed in a God that could create this, this world out of nothing. He believed in a God who could take things that are dead and bring them back to life. He saw it with his own wife and her own dead womb. And, that, and Jesus is the object of our faith because we believe that Jesus was raised from the dead. Listen, there has never been anyone like Jesus. Not his, his life, his love, his teachings, his sacrificial sacrifice of death, his resurrection. We can bet everything on Jesus. And if we're not taking everything and placing it at his feet, we are missing out on the greatest opportunity this world has to offer. There has never been anyone like Jesus, so walk by faith. Don't worry about whether or not you have enough belief don't focus on the quality of your faith. 
Focus on the object of your faith. You know what? The quality of my faith sometimes, it's not very good. It's great when things are going wonderful in my life. I got lots of faith. But when things aren't, then I have to learn from those things. And my faith can grow. But look, I don't focus on that. I focus on Jesus. Because Jesus makes my faith grow. And when you look at Abraham, you see what he was willing to do with that child that he waited so long to have. You realize how much his faith had really grown. Because he believed that God could also raise Isaac up from the dead if he were to kill him on a sacrifice. Let that knowledge just influence the way you live. And if you don't know this Jesus, if this is not something you've ever put your faith in, we want to talk to you about Jesus because we believe he is the greatest ever. We want to tell you what he's done. We want to tell you what he's going to do. And, and just to put your trust in these things. Aren't you just sick and tired of seeing all the stuff that comes on social media and the news and everything else? And this is what they want you to believe. Let me tell you something. Jesus says, I can believe in something so much better. If you want that, we want to tell you about him. We want to tell you about him. Get with me. Get with somebody else that you know in this church. Let's talk about Jesus. Let's start that mustard seed of faith in your life so that God can save you. Let's bow. Dear Father, we come before you this day, and we once again come in great thanksgiving for your son, Jesus. We thank you for his death. We thank you, Father, that, that you rose him from the grave, that your Holy Spirit brought him forth. And that same Spirit is in us who have called upon you, Father. Father, we just ask you to, to, to continue to, to be with us in our faith in this world because right now at times it's, it's a little harder. Many of us, Father, we grew up in a time that was much easier to live out a Christian life. And right now, our faith is being tested in different ways. Father, help us just to trust you. Just trust you, everything we got. And Father, I just pray for those who may be here and they're just not real sure what to do with all of these, these feelings and emotions that they may be having this morning. Father, we just ask you to allow us to be your hands and your feet and your mouth and to be able to just open your word and to show these things that you want all of us to know, this gospel, good news. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.